podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You know, I live in France and Sky Go after Brexit doesn't let me watch anymore. So if I want to watch Crofty, then I have to, you know, stream. But I did see it this week because <laughs> I use the VPN. This is all illegal. Don't put any of this in. <laughs> Goodman, and you're listening to the fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Roy Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go. Hello and welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. We are here today to review the Canadian Grand Prix. My name's Ollie, and with me to do this, we have James. James, how are you? Welcome back. You haven't been here for a while, have you? Yeah, it's been a while. Um, not bad overall, thanks. A busy month, moving and back to the UK and stuff, but glad to be back. And where are you now? Are you back in Paris or are you in the UK? Yeah, I'm back in Paris now, uh, in a new flat with double glazing so we won't have to deal with the uh, the French leaving, leaning on their horns outside <laughs> and you've also you've also got a new background it's a white wall rather than your sofa with your dog lying dead on it <laughs> I know he is, he is still on the sofa dead but you can't see it anymore so it's fine. <laughs> that's a shame I used to enjoy that um, and with us also we have John how are you welcome back thank you very much I am delicate still as you well know and why, why, why would you be delicate, John? It's Monday as we're recording it. Well, what's there to be delicate about? Yeah, I might have had one or 18 beers and one or four bottles of red wine with your good self watching the Grand Prix. Hence why I can't really remember anything about it. <laughs> well, this is going to add a cool dynamic to the race. Yes, I did watch it with you. Yes, we did enjoy um, enjoy the evening race. Uh, James, did you prefer having it in the evening, or um, do you prefer those day races, uh, or even morning races? Well, as someone with 3am shifts at work either side of the race, it wasn't ideal. But I think, it, like, putting that aside, I think it's actually kind of cool. It makes it, I don't know, it feels like it makes it a bit more of an event, like when there's a you know, Champions League football game. It's in the evening rather than three o'clock. I think it feels more grand in some way. Well, it just, I think John said on the last episode, it gives you the opportunity to have a beer and not feel guilty. John, do you feel guilty? That's all, well, yeah. Uh, no, not guilty at all. <laughs> no. However, rough. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, uh, this episode is sponsored by Eight Sleeps. We will let you know a little bit more about them during this show. Let's just start with porpoising. Um, we spoke about it loads on the last show. Uh, James, do you want to just give us a little a little summary of what happened since um, Baku going into this weekend in terms of the um, bouncing up and down side to side like a roller coaster, as uh, as you said. Well, thank you for uh, quoting my, my good self on the news show. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's all been... A bit of politics, really. It's been your standard posturing from Horner and Wolf, who clearly miss arguing with each other. Yeah, so it's, it's still a massive issue. We saw the ridiculous bouncing of the cars in Baku, particularly the Mercedes, and the video of Lewis struggling to get out of the car after the race. So George Russell was very outspoken about the safety concerns, and I think we're all now worrying about the long-term effects that that could cause. Apparently the FIA are open to technical changes, and then those have come in, but it's all been a bit confusing. We don't really know exactly what the regulation is. It seems like it's still a work in progress and they kind of went back on it as we actually got into the weekend. Okay, and um, what I found interesting coming into this weekend, I mean, John, there wasn't much porpoising going on after all of this, was there? So, F1, um, sorry, Mercedes kicked up a huge stink about it and then suddenly, did, it, did they actually solve it or was it a bit of a non-problem in the first place? Yeah, it certainly looked like it uh, fixed itself. Uh, I just want to point out that I'm glad you've now caught on it porpoising and not porpoising anymore. 
Yeah, well, I, when you listen back to a recording, you do tend to be slightly uh, critical of yourself, and especially when you've been ripping me for the, the whole week about saying poor poising. Because <laughs> it reads poor poising. Thank you for that. <laughs> James, you mentioned a bit about the fight. Well, the, the, the fight. Can we call it a fight between Horner and, um, Horner and Toto Wolf? Um, whose side were you on here? What were, the, what were their points so that the listeners can understand? Yeah, Toto's in. He's, he's pulling the safety angle, and whether or not you believe that that's what he wants, or whether he wants to obviously buy Mercedes an advantage, it's probably somewhere in the middle. He he obviously is saying, you know, it's dangerous for long term health. We need to do something about it. He doesn't want the the ride height just to be raised though, because that wouldn't help Mercedes. They're they're looking. Apparently, they've got an active suspension system set up, uh, ready to go if it gets approved, which. Yeah, if you believe the rumours would help them out significantly. And that was something that was, I think they they kind of struggled with uh, because it was a part that was simplified in the in the cost cut this year and they lost a fair bit of advantage from what was one of their strengths. And Horner, sorry, I just remember you asked for both of them. Uh, yeah, and Christian obviously wants to keep Red Bull's advantage. Simple as that. He, he doesn't want anything to change. He wants to stay at the front. Yes, indeed. It, it, it's always good to see them two having a little battle. I think I may have agreed with Horner uh, for the first time in my life over all of this, which is <laughs> stop moaning, just get on with it. You know how to fix it. If you want to fix it, fix it. So, I mean, the ironic thing there is, though, that like Christian says, like, oh, you can't have a, a change midway through the season, having spent most of the last decade pushing for changes mid-season to try and help out Red Bull. Like, you know, party mode and uh, oil burning and all these other things. Yes, and getting rid of um, the DAS system on the Mercedes. And yeah. yes, yeah, all, all sorts, indeed. Um, so move, moving into the weekend, um, it was a fairly normal few practices until the third one. Um, John, the weather. The weather in Canada completely changed, didn't it? It definitely made it uh, a lot more interesting, that's for sure. So we had uh, two dry sessions on the Friday, um, and on the Saturday, the weather completely changed. And with that, we had some interesting results. Well, the old guy came back, didn't he, James? The, the, the old beast who's been moaning and, and still still moaning, actually, even after the race. Um, tell us a bit about old Fernando Alonso. Oh, Fernando, just it's like he's just come back to troll, isn't it? You know, he, he did his Baku dodgy qualifying Nico Rosberg's 14 Monaco style into the escape road. And, and now he's he's coming back. Yeah, but fair play to him. As soon as the, the rain started, he was on it. He was right there, like in the top two, pretty much the whole of practice two. And then he, yeah, as a, I'm sure we'll get on to now, he kept it up in qualifying. So if we talk a little bit about qualifying, this was... Um... I'd say the most exciting qualifying of the year. John, do you, you um, how did you find qualifying? Uh, yeah, brilliant. I wish the race uh, was as good. But yeah, the qualifying was, was really good. It was uh, good to be back in Canada. The weather helped immensely, um, liven things up. And it's always good when you've got people out of position. Uh, and yeah, getting uh, Fernando... Up on uh, up on the front row, uh, definitely spiced it up and made it uh, made it very entertaining. So digging into qualifying a bit, I wasn't sure that the conditions were good enough to go driving based on what we've seen this season. Um, obviously, the the FIA had a huge um, hoo ha in in Monaco about the conditions and and that delayed the race. James, do you think it was ready to go to go out at the beginning of qualifying? Yeah, I totally agree. I thought it was going to get red flagged any second. I was just hoping that it didn't, especially after, yeah, the debacle in Monaco. And apparently it was, yeah, due to a power cut, but it made it look like they were just scared to to go out when it was raining at all. So it was good to see. It was borderline conditions. I think that's what Martin Brundle said as well. Uh, but it was on the edge. And then that's the thing. Once you get them going around, they start clearing the water and then you can just keep going, even if it is drizzling. So, yeah, no, it's great. It's great to see. It's the perfect kind of qualifying you really want. I mean, I didn't. I, I couldn't actually work out if it was still raining or not with the amount of spray that there was. Obviously, all the drivers were on the extreme wrecks, but we did get out there. Um, we had some shocks in Q1. Uh, Pierre Gasly, Sebastian Vettel, um, both not really doing very well in those conditions, dropping out. Um, Vettel was fuming. John, what did you make of Vettel dropping out in Q1? 
Yeah, well, I, th- I think everyone was shocked because he showed he showed some real good pace in uh, in the in the practice three. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just I I can't understand it. Uh, those two cars, uh, the Aston Martins, just just seem to be slipping off the off the face of the earth. You know, do, to be eighteenth and nineteenth. With just Latifi behind you and uh, Yuki Tsunoda, then it's just not in the right place. So you did touch on it. Um, disappointment for the home crowd. Um, Lance Stroll, Nicholas Latifi, both out in Q1. James, what's your view on old uh, Nicholas Latifi and this being his last race? I don't know. I, I, I think he's going to see through the season. I think it would... I don't think it would help anyone to chuck Piastri in mid-season. I think he's better off, you know, getting to know the the, the car during practice, uh, during practice, during preseason testing, and you know, give Latifi his, his final ten or so races. Okay, well, I mean, there was rumours this would be his last race. We haven't heard anything, anything since to to confirm or deny this, but um, we 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 will see. Going into Q two, we we had red flags, but. I couldn't believe who brought out the red flags. John, talk to us a little bit about Q2 and what went on in there. Yeah, Perez into the barrier. Um, quite uh, a nothing shunt, really. Uh, couldn't get it in reverse. Did manage to get it in reverse. Uh, I think with Crofty's help. Um, yeah. Letting him know that he was in the wrong gear. But uh, yeah, it, it just seemed to be, I think it was wedged into the barrier or, or the grass was just too wet. I don't know. It didn't seem to engage the rear wheels. But yeah, brought out the uh, red flag, which spiced it up slightly. We also had another spinner, didn't we, James? Um, from a Williams of Albon. Did you, uh, what did you think of that little incident? Yeah, I was drunk too. I can't even remember that. When did he spin? <laughs> Albon. <laughs> he did. Um, there was very little damage. But he changed his front wing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he right. I do remember. Yeah, yeah. He touched the wall, didn't he, and got away with it. Didn't pin himself in like Sergio. Yeah, well, it just showed the conditions, didn't it, and that they were on a knife edge. Um, and it was definitely inters at least. Uh, and then into Q three, it was all about whether anyone was going to gamble on the softs, wasn't it? It was, John. That's surprising that. Uh, he didn't get a penalty. It wasn't that way. He reversed back out onto the track extremely slowly, right into the path of, I think it was Hamilton, uh, and then took his time again, finding first gear. Uh, really lucky. I thought he was uh, I thought he was definitely going to get his wrist slapped for that. I mean, it was the slowest reversing. It, it was slower than, you know, an old lady in Morrison's car park. I've... Um... You know, it's, it is very difficult to find reverse gear, apparently, in these cars. I've never driven one, but yeah, that was that was the slowest F1 car you've ever seen. Um, so yeah, going into Q3, the conditions were a bit better by this point, and it was really what we thought was going to be a showdown between Verstappen, Sainz, and Alonso, really. But there were a few shockers. Absolutely, yeah. So it was... I mean, Max pretty much had it covered, didn't he? Uh, he for the whole qualifying session, to be honest... He seemed to have half a second in his pocket. He just, he was, it's his conditions, as we know. You know, you'd probably say there are, there are a few wet weather specialists now, but Lewis and Max have obviously kind of shown the most over the last five or so years. Lance has done all right. Lando's done all right. George obviously did great in Belgium in the race that wasn't. But yeah, uh, it was it was pretty much Max. And then it was more of a kind of who's going to get best of the rest. Uh, and speaking of George, yeah, he was the one who really, threw everything at the oh, I can phrase that better he was the one who really went for it and actually pulled the plug on the uh, on going to dries yeah I've just uh, just with James there I mean I think we watched did we watch the qualifying together as well is that why I can't remember most of it no no we drunk. didn't we didn't <laughs> Oh, we we was come we was talking uh, via the text message, wasn't we? But um, oh yeah, when George went on to um, the slicks, I, I called it. I, I said between us on the internal on the internal uh, chat that we were having that I thought it was ready for slicks. I thought it was a good call. Uh, obviously, it wasn't, but you know, I can only be right sometimes. Not to be Captain Hindsight on that, but yeah. I'd, 
I said to my mate, I was like, that's, there's a huge puddle at turn one. He's never, he's never making it around that. So that was pretty satisfying to be proved right. Uh, I think, to be fair to him, if he could have guided it through there, there, there was probably enough of a dry line. But I mean, he had another go, didn't he? After his spin, and he still was, I think, 10 seconds up or something through the first sector. So, yeah, brave, but yeah, ultimately, probably not the right call. Yeah, it was, again, a bit of granny driving around Morrison's, I think. that It, it certainly looked like it. Um, so what about Fernando Alonso? The supermarkets. Sorry, sorry, John? Sorry, as other supermarkets are available. <laughs> yes, this episode is sponsored by Morrison's. Um, uh, it was Fernando Alonso putting it in P2. This was, this was a mega, this was unexpected. Um, James, what did you think of, of that and sort of the reaction that followed by the whole F1 world? Well, yeah, first front row since he put it on pole in a Ferrari at Germany 2012, I think it was. So, you know, a decade, basically. That's, that's crazy. I can't believe it. The whole, he was a Ferrari battling for the championship for another year and a bit after that, and he was never on the front row. It's crazy. Like, he almost won that year, and that's halfway through the season. Like, yeah, I mean, we all know that Alonso's kind of better on a Sunday than a Saturday overall, apart from whitewashing Van Dorn when they were together. But, yeah, it was good to see him back on the front. I'm not the biggest Alonso fan, but, you know, it's nice to, to see someone out of position. And then... Also out of position with the Hasses, fifth and sixth. Yeah, this was really exciting. I thought, again, wet weather, anything can happen. But, you know, Schumacher finally getting into, into P6. Um, Kevin Magnussen, again, proving that he, he's, he's quite a guy with uh, in P5. But the other wet king, the wet, the wet weather king, rather, <laughs> the other wet weather king, was Lewis Hamilton, and he was in P4, his best result of the season. Is he back? James, what do you think? Is Lewis back? I mean, it was he was ecstatic with P4, and how often do you say that, or have you said that in the last decade? But it was a really tough Friday for them, and again, he's, he's doing the, the donkey work, doing all the, the experimental setups, and it looked like he'd kind of reached the end of his tether when he was in his interview after P2 and another rough day, and obviously, you know, probably with a... a pretty bad back but yeah no so it was it was good to see him actually in good spirits uh on the second row there kind of maybe proving to himself that he can you know perform in this car because he probably questioned it well he's he, yeah i think he certainly did and john what did you make of lewis getting into p4 after um what we spoke about last week you mean after i slated him for the entire show last week yes that's exactly doing what I mean. my head in moaning all the time because his <laughs> car's crap um it, it was good you know as, as i said last week i i, I actually i'm a fan of hamilton uh it's just a mo- just a moaning he does uh, it just irritates me but yeah i mean he, he's post uh quality interviews and his post-race interviews you could see the sort of the elation on his face he was the happiest you've seen him for a long long time and it's good that he's uh it's good that they seem to be fine-tuning the problems i don't think they're fixed i think it was a bit of a look really um but yeah they uh yeah it was good to good to see him back up and positive the, the other noticeable thing was uh, Danny Ricciardo out-qualifying uh, his teammate Lando Norris, which was another good result for Ricciardo. You know, he said, he said, this will be two on the bounce. We'll get into the race in a minute. But James, do you think there's a bit of a, a change in tides over at McLaren? No, <laughs> in a word. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Lando, was, he was hamstrung, wasn't he? He had a dodgy engine. Uh, you know, it's, it's nice to see Danny maybe doing enough to get a bit of faith in himself again, but... I mean, yeah, I don't think you can really like compare him. Lando didn't have a car in Q2. Well, yes, certainly. But but it doesn't stop the social media world saying, Ricardo's back, does it? It absolutely <laughs> yeah. doesn't. It's just got to know the context behind it. So we're going to get onto the race in just a minute. But before we do, we're going to talk a bit about our podcast sponsor, 8sleep, who creates sleep fitness products. Uh, including the Pod Pro, which is a mattress which heats, cools, and adapts to your body temperature to keep give you the ultimate night's sleep. Um, John, you, you've got one, and I've got one, just so that the listeners don't think that we're sharing a bed when we talk about this. How, how have you found your first week on it so far? It's it, it's It's been a bit of a game-changer for me, and I'm not, again... 
I, I, I'm saying the truth here. We've both got one and we're both using it. But what, how have you found your first week? Yeah, I, it's, I said last week, well, I just sort of stumbled over it last week and said, ah, oh, it's brilliant, it's brilliant, uh, and didn't really tell anybody why. Uh, the first week has been good. I do have a flaw with it, even though they are the sponsor. It records when you go to bed and when you get out of bed. It's getting me in trouble when I'm going to bed at two and three o'clock in the morning because I've fallen asleep on the sofa. But yeah, <laughs> other than that, it, uh, it is really good. So basically, if, if you don't know what it does, uh, there's a matrix on there that heats or cools both sides of the bed independently. Uh, so if you like it really hot, then you turn it up. And uh, I think as Ollie tried the other day, uh, you drop asleep in, in record time. Like I, I'm the opposite end of the spectrum. I literally have it freezing cold and it's ice cold when you get in there. And it just makes such a difference to your sleep pattern. It's fantastic. It really is. And uh, this week, after, after you've had it for a week, you can unlock autopilot, which essentially um, then does the temperature automatically because it, it's got to know you. Uh, I think mine's still getting to know me. Uh, however, it's, it, it is an awesome product. We're going to take a quick pause for the cause. So have a little listen to um, more information about this. And John, one other thing I found out when, we were t- when I was talking to our Eight Sleeps contact the other day. Lewis Hamilton and George Russell both sleep on this. Not on mine. <laughs> well, they don't sleep in mine either, but um, they are also the official sponsor of the Mercedes F1 team. So both of the drivers use this, so it is a cool product. Well, that's why he's done so well in Canada then, because that's sorted out his back, isn't it? It must be. Well done to Eight Sleeps for solving Lewis Hamilton's back pain. We'll be back in just a moment to talk about the race. This episode is brought to you by Eight Sleep. Good sleep is the ultimate game changer and nature's best medicine. Consistent good sleep can help reduce the likelihood of serious health issues, decrease the risk of heart disease, lower blood pressure, and even reduce the risk of Alzheimer's. Yet, still more than 30% of people struggle with sleep and temperature is one of the main causes of poor sleep. I personally have always struggled to get the right temperature in my room when I'm sleeping and ruining my sleep. Now I'm falling asleep in record time. Thank you to 8Sleep Pod Pro Cover. The Pod Pro Cover is one of the most advanced solutions on the market for thermoregulation. It pairs dynamic cooling and heating with biometric tracking. You can add the cover to any mattress that you already own. The temperature of the cover will adjust to each side of the bed based on your sleep stages, biometrics, and the bedroom temperature reacting intelligently to create their optimal sleeping environment. Go to 8sleep.com forward slash formula nerds to check out the Pod Pro cover and save £150 at checkout. 8 Sleeps ships to the USA, Canada, and the UK. So we're on to race day. We've we do like to talk about the national anthem. Let's have a quick national anthem review. John, I'm gonna hand this over to you because we we watched it together and I made sure you watched it very closely. Did I go and <laughs> get a beer when that was on? <laughs> I don't even. Oh no, I do remember it. Sorry, we did watch it together. Yeah, uh, it was very good. Uh, I, I liked it. It was, you know, it was no Disney movie like last weekend, but it was. They brought the children out. They had the solo singer James. What did you think? I actually did see it for once. Normally, uh, I have to rely on your review to find out about the national anthem because you know I live in France and Sky Go after Brexit doesn't let me watch anymore. So if I want to watch Crofty, then I have to, you know, stream in a. In a perfectly legal sense uh but i did see it this week uh because because <laughs> i use a vpn this is all illegal don't put any of this in <laughs> but i did see it this week and yeah no it was, i think it was half english half french wasn't it because obviously it's uh quebec montreal that's kind of cool touch yeah it definitely threw me off i was um i was listening to it thinking, yeah i don't understand but oh i understood that bit john yeah all of a sudden we both thought we could speak french that just there's either the amount of beer that we'd had at that point of the race or just purely because it changed over into English. But uh, yeah, it was good. You know, it's always nice to have the kids miming and singing the wrong words. <laughs> Indeed. There were some tiny little kids there as well. <laughs> they were very well behaved. Well done to their parents. Um, all right, let's talk about the race. So there was there was a lot of hype about Fernando Alonso taking Max Verstappen into turn one. Um, James, did you believe any of this hype at all at any point? I mean, he's a good starter, Fernando. Like he's, he generally makes up places, but then you could argue that's because he hasn't been that good in qualifying. And 
it's not that his reaction times are, are good. He's more he's good at positioning himself in a pack and buying one or two spots here and there and getting his elbows out of it. That's different. When you're P2, you've, it's a straight race against whoever's in P1. You've got to beat them, get the be- best getaway, and it's a short run to Canada, to the turn one. It's not a short run, run to Canada. To, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a short run to turn one in Canada. So he had to nail it and... I mean, it was fine, but so did Max. So Uh, Schumacher, he didn't have a great start, did he, John? He didn't. Uh, There's a few surprising. He thought he was going to be going to be uh, up there, but yeah, Fernando, I don't think was ever taking the first corner. Schumacher um, again falling back and back and back. Other than noticeable mentions at the start was Carlos Sainz. He overtook Fernando Alonso pretty quickly. It was was it the first lap or was that lap two, James? I couldn't tell you. I know it was early. Um, I was just going to say though. I mean, he almost got passed by Lewis around the the outside, and then obviously Lewis had to defend from K Mag. And like, I know K Mag only operates in one way, but he's got to stop doing this stupid stuff in the first couple of corners when he's in that position in a has like. Stop putting it on the outside of Lewis. Like, learn your lesson from Spain. Exactly, and then, Barcelona, right? Yeah, and then he's done it again, broken his front wing again, and got a black and orange flag, and he's straight in and ruined his race. Like, he could have been fifth, and, you know, in the, in the shout for some good points. Now, I'm not sure about this black and orange flag for Kevin Magnussen. John, his, his, his front wing was sort of flapping, but was it, was it Perez who was saying, oh, no, it wasn't Perez. Ocon. It was Ocon who was saying, oh, it's going to come off and hit me in the face. That was a bit dramatic, wasn't it? That's just, I I want that position, please. I want to go up position. I'm going to do anything I can to get it. Yeah, it needed some uh, duct tape to fix it. It seemed to work well last weekend. Uh, This is the bit where they're not allowed to speak directly now to race control, and so they just come on and moan about everything. And it's some of the stuff... It's just painful, you know. Just shut up and drive around him. Get it. Yeah, we're we're used to the posturing in, in like amongst the team principles, but now we're getting in the cars as well. Like you say, it's all kind of for effect to make sure that the race director hears it, and it is a bit annoying. And I, I honestly didn't think they were going to bite on that one. Uh, I think it's just the the cautious approach that both the new directors seem to be taking for the most part. Again. Because we've seen Charles in Japan 2019, was it? Like driving around with bits falling off his car at high speed, nearly decapitating, I think it was Lewis behind him. And now, yeah, you know, the wings flapping about and that's that's enough for, you have to come in and change it. So, yeah, it was a surprise, but I mean, maybe it's the right thing. I like, I don't know enough about structural engineering to, to pass judgment on that. Really. <laughs> Indeed. But um, it was... I noticed a few things in these open opening laps. One, the DRS. So there was talk of this just being too powerful in Canada. John, there were so many overtakes. Do you think that the DRS, and certainly in Canada, was making it too easy for um, the drivers to overtake? Because it wasn't, it wasn't like, it didn't feel right, some of these overtakes. They were just handed to them. Yeah, isn't that what it's for? Um I don't know whether it, it was Martin Brundle, I think, wasn't it, who kept going on about how uh, how it was making it too easy. Some were too easy, but maybe it's maybe it's just the cars are better. Um, you know, it obviously wasn't that easy. It was uh, science couldn't get past Verstappen at the end using the DRS. So yeah, I'm not sure. James, do you think it was it, it, certainly on that long straight? It was too much. No, I mean, like John said, yeah, it, was, it wasn't like every single time someone got in the DRS, they got passed. There were quite a lot in the, the early laps. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's better than a, just a train, isn't it? Charles spent laps behind Esteban later on. Like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you've got that second one as well, which generally wasn't enough. I think there was maybe one pass on the home straight. Uh, Lewis on Ocon. That's the only one I can remember. I think it was about right, to be honest. And you know, people give DRS stick. I think it's quite, like, it adds a, an extra thing, that kind of, oh, can they get within the one second? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, 
I'm all right with DRS. Some people hate it. I don't mind it. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not um, MotoGP. I was watching that on on the Saturday in Germany. Well, I wasn't in Germany, but I was watching the German. Um, and yes, this is a sport where it's not very easy to overtake without some assistance. So yeah, I, I, personally, I think it was about all right. Um, John, you last you mentioned last week. I've been looking forward to this this part. You mentioned that Perez should write Perez's dad actually should write a letter to um, Christian Horner um, to get some favoritism in the team. And this, I think it was around, it was the only part of the race that this clearly hadn't worked if he had taken your advice, wasn't it? Yeah, they hit the uh, blow Perez's car button up, didn't they? Just because his dad's strongly worded email really fell in the lap of the wrong person, I think. So, um, James, what happened to Perez? It was a gearbox, wasn't it? I think that's the official line. I don't know if we've you know seen more come out since then, not that I've seen. But yeah, he just he lost gears and trundled into um, whatever it is, second chicane. And that was it. And then he had a little venture through the, the Montreal woods on his way home because he couldn't get a lift back. Yeah, it was quite funny. And um, this this brought out the virtual safety car, which for once seemed to have benefited Lewis Hamilton. Um, that was incredible, wasn't it? It's unprecedented. You know, for once it, was, it wasn't George getting a freebie and bumping him up to the podium. Uh, it was only Max and Lewis who took advantage of the, the VSC, which I was kind of surprised by. More so surprised when Alonso also turned down the second VSC when a mix race came to an end a few laps later. So, yeah, Mick dropped out of the race. He was on for points for, for the first time. Is this unfortunate, James? Yeah, it was. I mean, he's, he's had opportunities that he's blown himself in the past. He, he, like, he crashed into Seb, didn't he, at Miami? And, yeah, I mean, I think there was another one earlier in the season. And he's had a bit of bad luck as well. And, yeah, he... But he was doing the right. He was consistently, I think, seventh or eighth for that first 20 laps. And he looked like he was holding his own. And we don't know, you know what would have happened without his VSC that he brought out. But he looked like he could have done it. And it's a shame. I don't know. Just want him to get some points. Like, we don't know if he's going to stay in F1. There's, there's you know, rumours about Giovinazzi and stuff. I don't know. I think, he, I think he probably will stay, but he deserves points now. So tyres started to become a bit of a hot topic, um, complaining that graining was affecting their races. We thought this was going to be quite a green track, but actually the the tyres were going away quite quickly, which quickly turned sort of the one-stop strategy um, on its head. I did notice the pit stop seemed a bit slower yesterday. Was this just me? Did did either of you guys notice this? Yeah, the um, Red Bull, obviously famous for the fastest pit stops but even they were struggling slightly um i think mercedes did a through a 5.6 seconder out there or something it was uh they all seemed a little bit off their game i think it was mclaren who were particularly bad you know we had the double stack that failed horribly and then they brought lando in behind daniel and then didn't have the tires ready i think they i think daniels was a slow stop to start with wasn't it back right or something wouldn't go on and then they, yeah, then they've Lando sitting there and they put, I think they put one of Daniel's tyres on and then they're all panicking and running around and it's like that gif of Mr. Bean. Like, it was, it wasn't a good look. It wasn't a good weekend for McLaren at all. No. Now, we did have a safety car, but Mylander was brought out um, with 20 laps to go for Yuki Sonoda. Now, it just looked like he forgot to turn the wheel or, or something didn't happen, didn't it? He came straight out the pits and went into... Was was it? Was he coming out the pits when that happened? Yeah. Yeah, he was on pit exit and then... Yeah, go on. So he came straight out the pits and straight into the wall. This, this looked really amateur. Was that just the, the cold tyres then? Was that a lack of experience? Obviously not having raced there? Well, he just forgot to turn the steering wheel. Well, the look of it on TV... Maybe he thought he was on one of the straights, you know. Yeah, he's been doing better this season generally, Yuki. Like, he was getting a bit of stick last year and then he he, he, did, yeah, he finished fourth, didn't he, in Abu Dhabi. And it, I don't know whether it was that or a bit of better preparation this year, a bit less pressure. He's been doing better. He's he's kind of snuck ahead of Pierre a few times. But yeah, that was that was straight out of his, his first season. 
that didn't look very good. No, no, it didn't. And th- this, this was... In my opinion, I don't know, James, I, I want to hear your thoughts here. In my opinion, and I know John shares this because I watched the race with him, this was quite an uneventful race, I thought. So bringing the safety car out, I thought, right, this is going to liven it up. We're going to have it all out chaos for the last 20 laps. I don't really felt like we got that. Um, the order just stayed the same. Yeah, it it looked like it had kind of bunched it back up and we had Carlos with the, the fresher tyres, the Max. I initially thought, why haven't they put him on mediums? They've blown it. But apparently they didn't have any fresh mediums. Uh, I've found out after the race. I don't know. I I still feel like even a set of mediums that's done a qualifying lap, maybe all right for what fifteen laps. I think it was left after the safety car came in. But yeah, I, either way, he had fresher tyres than Max, and it was near. It was so near, but yet so far again for Carlos, and that's eleven podiums now uh, without a win. So he's closing in on. Nick Heidfeld's unwanted record of the most podiums without a win. I think that's 13. Kind of felt for him a little bit. I mean, that goes back to the DRS zone, doesn't it? Just showing that, that you know, they're not too big or too long. Or, because I, I think Verstappen was lucky um, that it wasn't Leclerc behind him on fresh tyres. Um, Sainz, just, I, I want to will him to be good all the time you know you, you just you, he just if anybody on there needs a break uh, I think it's him as well he's you know got to have spent all of Ferrari's money uh, the amount of times he's binned it and he made it to the end of the race but he just couldn't get past Verstappen he just he just couldn't get close yeah it, it just seemed like the Red Bull had too much traction because every time out of that last chicane and out of the hairpin it was just, you know, he just pulled that gap out to seven tenths every time. And then Carlos was back to about three or four at the end of the straight, but never enough to really even like think about a dive. And yeah, no, I agree. I, I think in the, I think I did the season opening review after Bahrain or at some point I remember earlier, I was like, well, you know, he'll get his, he'll get his win eventually. Surely he will. But here we are, we're what, over a third of the way through the season now. And I mean, not that far off halfway through and he's still not got it. Starting to feel a bit Hulkenbergish, isn't it? In terms of a win, really but instead of a podium, it really is. And one person that I'm amazed—I don't think we've mentioned really so far this podcast, if at all—is Charles Leclerc. So by this point, um, he was sitting in P7 after again. What triggered this was complaining about the sort of the the, the traction on, on on the exits of corners, trying to get, make his way through. Charles Leclerc had, I'd say, a good race. John, John, would you agree with that? Yeah, um, we we again touched on this. It was like Vettel in the uh, Red Bull years, where he was consistently good when he qualifying on the on the front row. But if he was at the back and having to fight through the crowd, he was just nowhere. He just seemed to struggle to get through the pack. Now he finished P five. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I'd say he made pretty steady progress. And then he got stuck behind Ocon. That was the that was the killer. He came out behind. He didn't come out behind. He got he caught up to Ocon just as Ocon I think had got fresh or fresher tires than him anyway. Because yeah, Charles started on the hards, and then yeah, that was that was painful to watch. Um, it's a shame because I think him fighting in amongst the the Mercedes at the end would have been great. But he just by that point he had what twenty lap old mediums and it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, didn't he, um, wasn't it the pit stop? Didn't they cock it up and uh, that's what put him out behind, uh, was he behind Bottas? He was definitely behind Ocon, as you say. But uh, it, it, it stuck him about three or four positions further back. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember where he came out. But yes, it, it, he was stuck behind a, 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 um, a train. It's a real blow for his title again though isn't it I mean we kind of knew it was coming coming into the weekend after that that third well sorry after that second blow up and already onto his fourth engine it's funny it's at at the start of the season we're all thinking oh is Rebels reliability woe's going to cost us a title battle when Charles was winning races for fun and Max kept blowing up and it's it's turned around so quickly what five six races and it's almost a 50 point gap 
All right, so looking through the, the, the finishing uh, results, we had Max Verstappen obviously taking a, a yet another fairly dominant. It was close towards the end, but he took another win uh, with Carlos Sainz in second with the fastest lap as well. And Lewis Hamilton, uh, first podium since Bahrain. That's that's an improvement, you know, it, it, from where we thought he was, especially at the end of the practice sessions. I think that is a heck of a result for Lewis uh, with George Russell just behind him. But Mercedes... It does look like they're creeping it back, doesn't it, James? Yeah, and with Silverstone being more their kind of a track, it'll be interesting to see if they can just make that extra push and be kind of like Spain, closer like to having a, a three-team battle at the front. That would be great because it's a smooth service. It's a smooth surface at Silverstone and there are a few high-speed corners which I think suit them better than the, the start-stop kind of street stuff. So, yeah, you know, Lewis and George could be in the in the mix in a couple of weeks time John do you think Mercedes are going to get into that championship fight towards the end of the year or do you think this is just a, um, a one-off I'd like them to be um, uh, George has been in the uh, fight so far it's only this weekend and he still finished fourth um, so it's only Lewis really uh, who's been letting the team down I know that's not what you want to hear but I mean, it's been luck, really, hasn't it? Let's be honest. He got done over so many times. I think the only ones he's, he's let the team down was Saudi Arabia, you could say, but that was the experimental setup. And then getting stuck in the DRS train in, in Imola. Beyond that, he's just been screwed over by safety cars and Magnussons every race, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, Maybe he should get his dad to write an email. <laughs> yeah. I don't think his dad will be writing any emails for him. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, everyone says it's the curse of the yellow tea cam at Mercedes. Bottas had all the horrible luck and his wheel taking two weeks to come off and stuff like that. And now Lewis has got it to fit in with his new colour scheme and he's getting all the bad luck. That's a good point. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. I, don't, I can't imagine Lewis changing that because he... he um, <laughs> that would be ridiculous, <laughs> but we'll see. Um... Alonso, well, sorry, <clears throat> Charles Leclerc managed to finish in P5, which, again, I thought was quite a good recovery drive with Ocon in sixth. And Alonso getting a late penalty after the race. James, do you want to explain that one? Yeah, it was uh, sort in the wound for, for old Nando, wasn't it? Because he was he was on the radio saying, you know, let me pass to Ocon. And he had a, a bit of an engine issue as well, seemingly. Uh, I don't know if it was the whole race, but certainly for a large part of it. And his team were obviously trying to to pull him along and secure this 6-7 that they had and keep him in front of Bottas. And he was saying, I think he said, oh yeah, even with the, the engine issue, I'm a hundred times faster uh, than him. You know, <laughs> Fernando is a hundred times faster than you. Do you understand? But he, I mean, it was standard Alonso. He was saying he was quicker, but it didn't make any sense to let him through. And then he got himself, yeah, this what turned out to be five-second penalty for weaving. And I don't know if you've seen it, but it's pretty. It's a pretty nailed-on penalty. He, okay, even if you class there being kind of a kink halfway down the Canada, Canada back straight, he's gone, I think, six changes of direction in front of Bottas, and Bottas has to get off the gas to not hit him. So it was nailed on and dropped him down to ninth and, uh, yeah, made his evening even worse. By this point of the race, I didn't even realise we were in Canada. I'd had that much to drink, so this is all brand new information to me. <laughs> John, I think there's a, I think there's a, a, a bit of advice emerging through this podcast of drinking during races. <laughs> I drink um, tea. <laughs> drink tea and coffee. Um, and Zoguan Yu, P9. Big result for him, wasn't it? P8, by the time Sorry, P8, he had his yeah. penalty. Uh, yeah, no, he's, you know, he, he got his point on his debut in Bahrain and then he's not really been there since. He got he looked on for a good result last week and then got uh, yeah, had an engine failure. So yeah, no, it's, he's well-deserved. He's, he's proving that he deserves a spot. You know, people were kind of wondering whether he did, whether he's a new pay driver, but he, he looks, you know, he's, he's doing respectably. And I think we have to mention the Canadian Lance Stroll. It's quite a good recovery drive. I'm not his biggest fan in, on, in the world, but um, scoring points from essentially the back of the grid, not a bad result. James, do you do you think that was a good good drive from him yesterday? It was all right, yeah. Uh, you know, 
from where they started. I think I didn't notice it that much, but I've seen people talking about Seb getting an awful strategy. Uh, apparently they they pitted him on the first BSC when he was already on hard tyres or something and then didn't do it when he, it would have made more sense under the safety car. And yeah, they apparently really bottled his strategy job. But that's standard for Seb, isn't it? In his Ferrari days and Aston Martin days, he always ends up having to make his own. Yeah, and and one thing that really shocked me when looking at race results is Nicholas Latifi wasn't last. That must be his best result of the season, right? Um, P sixteen. It's um, yeah, maybe they will keep him. What a what a drive from Latifi yesterday to finish in P sixteen. It was only P sixteen because three of the uh, three of the of the grid didn't finish. So you know he was almost last. I don't know what was going on with K Mag, but. So that was the Canadian Grand Prix. I think in terms of races, I didn't find it the most exciting, especially after such a good qualifying. It felt like the race just let us down a bit, I think. But we're going to go into our uh, race ratings and drivers of the day. John, I I know this bit's going to be entertaining for me, so I'm going to start with you. Uh, What was your race rating? And who, out of the whole grid, was your driver of the day? (laughs) If you can remember any of it. Yeah. Um, I'd rather do a qualifying rating. Uh, you gave me a bit of grief last week because you said three was the lowest you'd ever had. I honestly thought Canada would have been up there eight or nine, uh, but I'll go 3.2, purely because quality was good. Okay, right. And um, I don't think we've had a point two before either, so you're, you're changing the game here. But who, who was your driver of the day? Uh, Mylander. Yes. Uh, oh no! Um, I, I, you know, I, who got it? Was it Verstappen who got the Sky? No, it was, the so it was Leclerc. Uh, but oh, really? The rumours on online are that it was Latifi. Apparently, there was some kind of, you know, like I think they did it for Mazepin at one point last year, and everyone on social media was like, "Oh, let's vote for him." So they did that thing F one where they just quietly kind of release it later on on Twitter and just go, "Yeah, yeah, it was Charles. Don't worry about it." Because there was no announcement during the actual broadcast. Yeah, I didn't think there was. That's interesting. So there you go, you were right, Latifi. What a drive. I wouldn't have known. <laughs> I wouldn't have known if they'd have to put it up on lights. I wouldn't have been able to remember. But I'll go with the Claire. He, uh, he did start at the back and finish P5, so we'll give him a little bit of a nod for that. Okay, um, I think we're going to have a slight contrast here. James, what was your race rating in your driver of the day? 3.3. Uh, no, I don't know, it was... Probably a six. I mean, if we're including qualifying, Whoa. it was... Well, I'm saying race wrong. rating. I'm saying race rate. Yeah. Okay, just a race on its own then. I'll give it a five. It was It was all right. I've seen worse races. I mean, not even going as low as Belgium and stuff like that, but it was okay. You know, there was a bit of passing. There were a few safety cars, virtual safety cars. So, yeah, it wasn't a classic by any means, but it was all right. Okay, and your driver of the day? Yeah, it's hard to look past Charles. I mean, he did get stuck by knock-on, like we were saying, but 19th to 5th, I mean, yeah, like we said, it was a good day for Lewis. It was, I mean, Max couldn't have done much more either. Okay, so yeah, I'll see what, John's giving it to Charles. I'll give it to Max then because, you know, he, he dominated qualifying and then he held off Carlos when he, he got a bit screwed over at the end. So he deserves it. Okay, all right. Um, I'm going to go for a race rating of a uh, four which is quite, for me, that's quite low. Um, I like to, I like to always try and make races exciting, but I struggled with this one. Um, So yeah, four for me and driver of the day, I'm going to give to Carlos Sainz because he seems to have found a bit of, a bit of momentum and I'm not sure there's anything he could have done to take that lead um, at the end of the race. So I think he did all he could and he, he hung it out. So Carlos Sainz takes my driver of the day. He could have gone faster and overtook Max. and you know, There's quite a lot he could have done, really. <laughs> well, I wasn't in the car. Coming up in two weeks, we've got the British Grand Prix at Silverstone, which I'm not going to. So I'm a bit gutted about this. John, you're going, aren't you? I'm going for qualifying, yeah. So uh, obviously... I won't be able to remember any of that. I think uh, that's quite clear. <laughs> All right, well, we'll keep you off the next podcast. But um, James, you, you're, you're obviously in front, so you're not going. But what are you looking forward to coming up next week? Yeah, no, um, I mean, it's always great to see Silverstone, isn't it? Uh, 
I'm hoping, yeah, like I said, it will be a three-team battle. I think that'd be great. If we can get six drivers legitimately going for pole or, or the race win, however it kind of works out, uh, that would be perfect because we've not had that at any point. That's what we wanted. We, You know, we've had one-on-ones all the last year and then a new one-on-one with Charles and Max at points when he's not blowing up this year. So it'd be good to see, a, you know, a 2012-style bunch of drivers and you don't know who's going to come out on top. I'm also taking the... Uh... Formula Nerd to flag with me because I haven't forgotten, just in case anybody else has, that you promised anybody who took one to Silverstone would get fully reimbursed for the cost. So there's still time if people want to visit the shop. There's a link to it on our website. Get your flags and uh, let's see if we can cost all of us some money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so get to FormulaNerds.com, hit the shop. We have a Formula Nerds flag there. We will give the money back to anyone who puts a picture on social media, tags us in, of them at Silverstone with our flag. By the way, you're going to need to order them quickly because they are made to order, but they are there and you don't even have to pay for them. So we will see you on That Race Podcast. John, thanks for joining me. How, how is the hangover? I probably should have asked you this earlier on in the show. Uh, I think it's uh, quite clear that I've struggled for the last however long we've been recording this, uh, this podcast for. Uh, I'm gradually getting better. Good. Well, I'm very happy for you. And uh, James, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, pleasure. Glad to be back. It's been a, been too long, apart from, you know, the new show every week pretty much, but proper podcast. And between now and then, we do have another podcast. James, do you want to just let our listeners know what that's all about? Yep, so it'll be our, our usual News from the Nerds podcast every Wednesday without fail, talking about the the top five biggest news stories at that point in the world of F1. So yeah, it will be probably myself, Sam, Abby, Grace, if she doesn't, you know, get concussed or something, whatever, it changes every week. Uh, But but yes, uh, so make sure to join us there and we'll be talking about whatever there is to talk about between now and then. Okay, well, we will see you then. Until then, goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Sports Social Podcast Network.